This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. I turn on the right microphone. We have a great show ahead for you today. Um, taking you on a bit of a Eurofantastic trip. It's sort of like our own version of, of Foodie Eurovision happening right here between now and two o'clock. Uh, we'll do Greek, Italian, Spanish, uh, Turkish, throw in a bit of South American. It's all happening. afternoon we are talking cravings and it's only one minute past one no news today and tad as they say no news is good news it certainly is does that mean we have to uh, we should do a quick hello to uh uh is, is it it's not hoboken new, new jersey no, no, is it? it's not it's new providence new, new providence new yes. jersey uh linda if you're listening i'm getting in first this week hello <laughs> uh, and hello to all of you sitting in your car you might be on your way to the north side bazaar at the laird you might be out and about heading heading to caulfield you might already be at the track i've got a couple of tips for the cup as well that i should give you before two o'clock uh, then you know what they say about tips in the races? No. Be nice to your mother. That's the only tip you should oh. ever accept. I'll go with that. Uh, Tad Lombardo is my co-host. He is joining me right here in the studio with three very clever guests um, who sort of span pretty much most of the European continent, I think. Uh, we'll throw in some South American there as well. Um, let's start with the lovely young man over in the corner, yeah. uh, Leno from Simply Spanish. Welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. We're pleased to have you. Now, Simply Spanish, three locations. I'm going to sound like Frank Acosta in a minute. Uh, Three locations across Melbourne, um, two in the city, one at South Melbourne Market, which was the original. That's right. Um, A quick pricey about your... You've got one minute. Tell me about Simply Spanish. Well, uh, Simply Spanish, I think we started nine years ago at uh, South Melbourne Market. Um, It basically was just a a journey into Spanish cuisine, some tapas and paellas. Um, and it's just uh, it's it's grown. It's uh, it's captured everyone's imagination, and people really love it. And the world's greatest paella. And just recently, uh, we won the the best paella outside of Spain. We cooked the traditional paella valenciana, and uh, yeah, we uh, we we awarded the the best outside of Spain. How many different paellas are there? I suppose that's how long are. is a piece of string, isn't it? Yeah, it depends who you ask. Look, I think what happened is the paella originally originated from Valencia. What happens is, as you can imagine, when something is exported or, or, or moved on, 
you try to adapt it to what's available to you. So as you can imagine, if it went seaside, they would use sea, uh, fish seafood, and seafood yeah, yeah. To, to make a pay. Inland, you would see things like chicken, rabbit, uh, pork. Uh, and if you, if you move into the the sort of the more Moorish influenced part of Spain, it's going to be a completely different argument again, correct? Yes, correct. Excellent. So basically, what the the competition was all about was uh, preserving the the authentic recipe of the Bay Valenciana, which consists of uh, chicken, rabbit, snails, beans, and uh, <laughs> it's a very Ted, you're looking at my face, going, "He's hungry again, isn't he?" <laughs> it's, yeah. it's an amazing recipe. It's not. I, I don't think it's for everyone's taste, but uh, when you try, it, it really is something extraordinary. When you've got rabbit and snails and chicken in the same dish, correct. The only thing missing for me there is cheese. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, unfortunately, you won't see that on the table. My, my obsession is cheese. Uh, we might switch mics just for a second, Ted. Yeah. I have, oh, we haven't actually said hello, Ted. Hello, how are you? Good. Good. My regular co-host. We've got an email already from New Providence, no New way. Jersey. I bet. And what does it say? Oh, I'm about to tell you. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't be off mic. It says, "Hi, Ted and Pete. I'm listening. Your mother." Okay, it's a little spooky, but that's okay. <laughs> Tad's mum is in New Providence in New Jersey, and each week she joins us at this time to... Um, so, so she gets she to does. hear her son's voice. Yeah. That's sweet. Um, switch that mic across, Tad, and I will introduce Kathy. Kathy is from Sweet Greek at the Pran Market. That's right, Pete. <clears throat> uh, welcome. You're, Thank you for having me. You're about to throw your second book into the market. I could, yes, I certainly am. We're launching my second book, uh, Sweet Greek Life, on October 26th. Um, we're having a great big party on that night. Oh, don't tell people where it is. You know, the gays, they'll <laughs> no, show up I to won't. anything. <laughs> I'm not saying, but it's, an ama- it's, it's a wonderful celebration of life, and that's what this book is all about. It's to celebrate life. And why do you do what you do? I'm very passionate, for starters, about food. Um, I'm very passionate about my culture um, and the food that I grew up on and with and learnt uh, cooking from my mother so I, th- I think that's what it is I came from an investment banking background oh. and um, my oh, I cooked you. from the day not really but <laughs> <laughs> there, was a, there was a hint of sarcasm in my voice <laughs> <laughs> uh, but look I did that my whole life and then of course being diagnosed with cancer um, changed everything and that meant that um, I had one chance to after the treatment and that I could if I possibly could I had one chance to perhaps fulfill my dream and this is why i do what i do today without wanting to make you sound like an alcoholic you're now five years i'm, fa- I'm five years um cancer free i'm very happy about that congratulations that's a recent yes. discovery yes mm. a couple of weeks ago I, I had all my big tests and i'm now cancer free five years so i i feel like i can say that and celebrate it well as you should and uh, and that's why this book is my you know sweet quick life my shared table because Did you have a little glass of red senior on the news of that plus the yeah, rest yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, renee yeah. come forward to your microphone you are yeah, I'm here. you're there you are clay pots tell us so you've got also got three locations yes yeah clay pots in st kilda that's that's been around about almost 20 years now probably 20 years and that started as a small little shop and it grew organically but first of all thank you for having me pete oh it's a pleasure tad and tad. i are, are delighted i and have I to totally keep agree. where are we now mate? Totally right. agree. Okay. i got something from kathy when she said Food is a celebration of life, mm. and that's where I'm as well. Mm. And I think Spurdy you knows. Oh, absolutely. And uh, yeah. yeah, let me let me intrude on on your business model for a second yeah. because you just before we came to you, you sort of dropped a little bomb that you have essentially given your business to your staff. Yes, it's 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 a trial period for one year, but it is happening, and uh, it 
Look, I don't want to talk too much about it. However, if it if it works out eventually, yeah, it will be the my uh, the, the achievement that I'll be I'm most proud of. It's it's the legacy you can leave. It's the legacy right. legacy because it's a mortal life, rather short, and and I, I love the idea that I can successfully pass it on and can continue. Also, also. It kind of, in one person's hands, it sort of dies out eventually. Mm. So you need to inject that 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 that, that, that eagerness. It's it's a very unique business model to have. From that sort of, do you I, know of anyone else that? I has don't done know that? if anyone that's that, that's done it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there might be equivalents of in other industries, uh, but as I said, if it works, I'll be very happy. That sounds really good. Mm, I, yeah. I know from my experiences that keeping that motivation going is very difficult. Um, it's it's a draining business to be in. Um, and just to keep that momentum and that energy going all the time, it's so difficult. So and trying, trying to keep things fresh and ahead of trend rather than just on trend. Absolutely. When it comes to food, you know, we've, we've always got to be one step ahead of the game almost. You've got to be doing something that somebody else isn't doing or, or working with an ingredient differently. And that's, it's really hard to have that motivation when you're also facing the, 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 the computer trying to get, you know, get through your myob and do your bass statement and, and so forth and so on. Absolutely, because I think when I first started this, that was the, the goal. I was cooking in a kitchen, and I seem to be doing everything but that these days. It's yeah. HR, it's, it's you're the cleaner, it's you're very complicated, running yeah. around in your car trying to pick up stuff that the chefs have run out of. Yeah. Although I imagine even that South Melbourne market's probably a bit easier. You can just run around the corner. <laughs> Absolutely. But, uh, <laughs> I think it's just even simple things. It's just like everything is uh, is is on the internet everything's multimedia everything is is it's on your phone and it's just keeping up with those trends and making sure that you're on top of it everyone knows who you are and uh look i find that really uh, frustrating but hey that's that's the world we live in now but i think the other thing too it's it's we all try to be ahead of the trend not just sort of keeping up with the trend and i think that's the hardest part is trying to to work out something that that works well yeah and, i, I travel i travel every year for that Exact reason. I, I go off to Spain you, and you travel for anywhere that. <laughs> uh, well, call it what you like. I like to say it's research. I'm always looking for new ideas, and it's never that simple. You know, I've I've come back in the past with one or two good products that have made a huge difference. But yeah. uh, the last uh, couple of trips, I've I've struggled to find something that I feel I could I could, I could use and, and make my own. Renan, do you, do you go through the same process? Well, it's not so much for me. Like, uh, what did you say? You know, what was it that well, the main remark that you, you made? You get tired, sort of. You. Oh, with, yeah. Well, look, the, the enthusiasm. Look, I'm not tired in that sense. I'm saying, as you are, and it's you kind of feel like you're repeating yourself, yeah. and it gets harder, uh, and uh, and also eagerness. Mm. And for me, what was the most important the important aspect of this decision was legacy and continuity, and also a way of rewarding the people who have been with me a long time. Mm. Uh, it's I love everybody who works for me, but I have to make a decision based on capacity, and uh, and see how it goes. But legacy and continuity and passing it on, not a poison chalice, something that works yeah, really yeah, well, yeah. Uh, is 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 the aim. Mm. Kathy, do you find that you have to look abroad for inspiration for what you do, or is what you do sort of inherently traditionally Greek and it's it's there? Um, no, it, definitely, I do like to go abroad. I was in Greece two years ago and was able to res- um, uh, research an enormous amount of material and ideas um, that I had never thought of before. Um, 
but I'm trying to at this stage. I have enough material from just my upbringing at this stage of where I am mm. at the moment um, in order to work with it and play with it. And that, that's what I've done with Sweet Creek Life. Um, I, the first book that I wrote was a traditional book based on everything tradition. This one here. The is, stuff you learned from your mum and yes, uh, who learned yes. from her mum. So and, I think mm. you have to start from there. You have yep. to start from there. If, if what my legacy is to leave behind something that future generations can look back on and say that I'd like to cook that dish of lima beans in the oven. That's what I want to leave behind. And is there, in a, in a sense, is this instructional for um, maybe a generation of, of younger Greek Australians who, who have a disconnection with that's right. the heritage in the family? That's right. And that's because, for example, growing up, mum didn't want to cook or uh, she didn't pay attention to grandma or whatever. And, and so, and for me, the one way that you can maintain your culture, even if we're living here in Australia, it doesn't matter where you are there are three elements there's religion food and language that that identify you as a culture as such so um i would take religion out of that i think there's there's a culture there's a language and there's an ideology and yeah, ideology mm. okay fair oh, enough word ideology but that's that's what differentiates you particularly food mm. and, and language so um and it's how do you hold on to that and i wanted people to understand that greek cuisine was more than a souvlaki and tzatziki. and the moussaka mm. and mm. moussaka mm. which i make a mean moussaka and i, I love moussaka. my moussaka and so does everybody else but i make a lot more too. <laughs> I'm heading over to your store. Ted, grab that microphone for a second because I think what we're about to enjoy, and this brings you in as well, I've got, I've got to explain. I've got two South Melbourne market uh, storeholders yeah. and two Prime market storeholders. So That's right. I might have to jump in the middle at some point and determine <laughs> which is the better market. But I think we're, I, for me, this is going to be this, this next sort of 45 minutes is going to be a bit of a cultural journey sure. for us Definitely. to see what we can um, pull out. I don't necessarily think it's which market is better. I think each each market offers something a little bit different than than the other ones, and um, it, it's important to sort of celebrate it because we're all part of the Melbourne food um, the food scene, and it's um, it's just one of those things where different markets do different things a and little bit differently. Queen, Queen Vic is part of the Melbourne markets, or markets of Melbourne is That's a different right. beast as well. And then if you look at Dandenong, yeah, um, there's a completely different demographic and a, a completely different kind of market. Absolutely. Jump over to Footscray and you'll see something different again. Yeah. We're going to explore all of that, Ted Lombardo and myself, between now and 2 o'clock. You are here with us on Cravings on Joy 94.9. Bonjour, I am Gabriel Gatte. You are listening to Cravings with Peter Dillon on Australia's only gay and lesbian radio station, Joy 94.9. Thank you, Gabrielle. You are on Joy 94.9. It is a quarter past one. Uh, this is Cravings, Ted Lombardo and myself taking you through until two o'clock. And we are in a bit of a cultural exploration today, uh, looking at not just why we cook and what we cook, but I think that there's a reason of, of where we come from first. And we're just having a quick discussion. Um, we've all tried something else. We've all gone out of the industry or we all started somewhere else and came to the industry. Ted, I repeat this every week. You're an engineer, now That's a chocolatier. Right. Yeah. Um, Kathy, you mentioned you're a merchant banker and then moved to food. Correct. That's right. Renan, what did you do before you moved to food? A, a writer, a, a vagabond, a traveller. A vagabond. <laughs> a lot of those have been in the industry all of their life. And I guess, Lena, your story was slightly different in that Sorry, Lena. I started in uh, hospitality and moved away from it. Into uh, I studied engineering before I realised that uh, my passion really was in hospitality and food. So I went back into it. Yeah. Do you get sick of the overuse of the word passion in our industry? I do. I do. I, it, um, it's probably if there's a better way of describing it. It'd be great, but um, I think it is. I'm going to create that word, and it's going to be a brand new word to the English language, and we're yeah. going to we're going to coin it because. 
passion is is so overused that it's becoming um someone says oh i'm quite passionate about something and i just glaze over because mm. and i blame the master chef phenomenon for that mm. it's given us a lot of good things but it's also given us a few bad ones yeah you're passion right. and agree. journey yeah. yeah i was gonna say okay. journey journey's a nice uh, journey is a nice word i think because i think every one of us is in here has had a journey correct to take us where we are now but then reality tv has taken that word and completely bastardized yes. it yes Yes. Don't watch it. Yes. Well, I try not sure to, but are. so much of our television is reality tele- television that you can't yeah. almost avoid it. Yeah. I'd rather call the journey the road less traveled, mm. actually. I think, um, again, there's certain words that are just completely overused, and, and sometimes there's just could, no other way to describe it. But You could just easily say being, being in the that's world. That's right, yeah. There's the philosopher coming out there of you, you go. my friend. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I, an open question for the four of you. When... How, how does your how does your upbringing your with sort of the influence of culture determine what you do? Um, you know, you said you're, you're Spanish and Italian. Yeah, um, Renan, you're born in well, I was Brazil. Born in Brazil. Grew up in Turkey. Turkish parents lived in Europe for different periods, and so typical Australian. Kathy, also you're Australian born, Australian born, Greek, Greek parents, and Tad, you're an Italian parent and a and a. a, a an My American. father's side is Italian, yeah. and then American, and then. Immigrant to Australia. So it's sort of it's it's a group question, and anyone jump in. Um, how much does that cultural um, determination inform what it is that you do? Well, can I? Yeah. Just a quick word. Yeah, I don't yeah. think there's a gene for cooking. No, there's but there's certainly there's certainly a, if you are from a culture where you celebrate life through food. If, as a young child, you have not been kept away from the kitchen, you don't have the fear of cooking, and. Uh, and and you have to have a love of people. That's the, that's the main ingredient in all cooking. You have love of people and one thing to celebrate. I didn't grow up very close to my family, but I was not divorced entirely from all this experience. Mm-hmm. And of course, traveling helps. Um, uh, my family loves seafood. My mother can sit down and eat one kilo of sardines at a time. <laughs> now, these things oh, necessarily I pass me, her but I, I'm, I'm kind of hypersensibility that supports it. And when I came, to, and so I did some fishing in, in, in the Mediterranean, when I came here, I worked on prawn trawlers. So it was very natural for me the, to pass into, into cooking. Transition. I think it's also too. It's, it's it's those cultural things, but it's also work ethic as well. Um, and not everybody has the same level of work eth- ethic that you need to actually be successful in hospitality in the food industry because it's hard work and it's long hours. And you know, it's a lot of people times. totally, yeah. But then I I, I want to counter that because I yeah. think every person that I've had in here that was born for hospitality, whether they worked in it earlier or yeah. not, that is in hospitality, and I use that term quite broadly, has said. It's not unsociable because all of my friends do this. True. So when I'm finishing work at 11 or 12 o'clock at night, so are my buddies. So yeah. I, I think we, we talk a lot about it being unsociable. You, you make those social networks within the same hours. You do. Yeah. Um, I think, though, in, like in my own situation, you know, choosing this path later on in life, um, it's, it's not so much the social thing. You're too tired at the end of the day. You just want to go home. Yeah. Um, for me, but obviously young, younger, it would have been a, a definite social um, social engagement and, and you go out after work like you said and, and meet people that way and, and do all that but you have different responsibilities then obviously and, and different things that you have to then you end up getting married and having children that's right um, Lino you're half Spanish half Italian yeah yeah. see I, I was fortunate enough to uh, to have uh, had parents from different uh, cultures 
and also we we grew up in different parts of the world so i was exposed to uh, latin america and south america for, uh, for quite some time because so you were in venezuela venezuela mm-hmm. and so we ex- i experienced a lot of uh, latin american cuisine um south america speaks spanish um the spanish uh, conquered south america therefore that's where we got the language from but they brought some of their culture across there as well but to, to make that journey from south america to to spain to see where things just there, there was a misinterpretation of the cuisine, mm. but it, you know, obviously a lot of the stuff that was available in Spain wasn't available in South America. But the, just the diversity with the menus, and I, I, I find that quite fascinating. So, you know, a lot of the time we try, I try and incorporate something Latin American into something Spanish to give it a new twist. Have, you gone, to, have you gone to the guinea pigs of Peru yet? I was in Peru. I did the Machu Picchu thing quite a, a while back, and uh, la, uh, was it llama and guinea pig was pretty much all that was on the menu. I um yeah. So that was quite fascinating, but no, I'm not. We're not that extreme, no. I don't. I think. I don't think we can legally do it. Here. Probably not. No. <laughs> Probably. No. Um, so I want to. I'm going to rephrase my question. When you were growing up, um, you're obviously immersed in in different cultures in different parts of the world. How much of that that cultural significance sits in what goes on your plate or or in your store? Um, might be the question I'm trying to get to. I find when you say cultural significance, um, when you're doing a, a dish a, a justice by the way you're cooking it, I, I think that is is part of that cultural significance. Um, you know, you you respect you respect the produce and how you prepare it, whether it's a, whether it's a Greek dish or a Spanish dish or or, or seafood at, at, at clay pots. I mean, if you respect the the product, um, I, I think that's a big part of it. Kathy, is it the same for you? Um, yes, without a doubt. I think the um, taking the ingredients and, for me, the memory of my mother and visualising, because I can't do it now, but visualising what she used to do and how she used to do things is what I'm trying to pay tribute to. Mm. Um, now I feel that I've also got the luxury uh, of being able to do my own twists on things too. So being at the Paran Market, for example, will allow me to walk around and look at an ingredient and, and a product and say, yeah, you know what? For example, I've been making um, a vegetarian moussaka and I've also been making a gluten-free. That. Yeah, I know. But you got to cater for you got to cater for that. But it was an idea... And and it works. And I'm also doing the gluten-free version now too. So um, you start off with a, a core product yes. idea, concept, um, of, which is cultural and it's part of your upbringing. Um, for me, I just want to say something here now too. Like for me also, I have to say, when the what, what also started this journey for me, it goes back to culture. Um, the day that I was diagnosed with cancer was during our Holy Week, and it was the day that it was on Holy Thursday when we dye our eggs red and we bake and we do so all those beautiful things. Christos Anasty. Yes, yeah. that's on the Saturday. Yeah. So um, that was, you know, went home. My mum would always, I never had time to cook and prepare these things. So she was at my house baking and doing the eggs and whatever. I opened up the front door after having the news, and then she... Um, she, the house smelt beautiful. The aromas and of, of baking and all that sort of stuff. And now I thought, oh, you know, how am I going to pass this information on now? She was so happy, and I thought, oh, well, we'll do this after Easter anyway. So that was a decision I made then. And anyway, and she says to me, look at this. It was so successful today. Great baking day. Where everything's worked. But for a moment, I thought, my God, she's still doing this for me. Um, well, who's going to do it for my sons? You know, I thought this is like mm-hmm. I need. And, and that was a, a very important moment for me. And that's why for me, it's all part of leaving this legacy for future generations, mm. using the past generation as my 
my my um, core, my base to work from. My guests are Lino, Renan, Kathy, and of course my co-host is Tad Lombardo. We're having a bit of a, a cultural journey uh, and maybe a little philosophical journey, I think, about mm. uh, about food. Um, we will get on to what you do in your business in a little while because we've still got a bit of time up our sleeve to to do that. Renan, I'm going to come to you and, and sort of ask you that same Regarding cultural question. Look, I would like I would like to to uh, imagine that. There are no cultural influences on what I do. Uh, I'm uncomfortable with the word culture. Coming back to your, your concept of ideology. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, cu- populations use what is available to them. Historically, that's the case. That makes come you know sense. You know, there's you know in Sumeria there used to be probably you know 20 different names to, for wheat. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you can think of many examples. You know people use what they have. Okay? What would be another word for it then? Would it be cult- uh, not cultural? Would it be regional? Regional. You look like culture, like language, it changes in time. But so if there's 20 different names for wheat in a certain area, would it be a regional <laughs> thing instead of a cultural thing? Uh, no, it's, or it's, it's, or it's, it's it means that how much it's used mm. in in in, in, in uh, old metaphors will be based on wheat, etc. But you know, there must be a lot of examples of it. Uh, a free current uh, spell, yeah, 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 yeah. But, but he, now these days, because of the, you know, the postmodernity of the world, you know, the big supermarket, and the beauty of being in Australia, you can almost do anything. Mm. So you can, you, you can really get into yeah. do what you like. Mm. Do what you like. See, I was in I was in Europe Greece, twice this year, and uh, if you go to Tuscany, the food may be wonderful, but it's so you you know so shackled. You can't so that old yeah. Tuscan ideal. Yes, mm. ideal. You can't. They don't allow you to change anything. Eventually, you you sort of want a bowl of steamed vegetables. You can't get it. What amazed me, he went to the supermarket there. The food can be very good, of course. They could you could not find a sambal chili. In fact, you could not find a fresh chili. It is abhorrent for them to put chili in their food. Right. It, it is. It is. Yeah. But here, here, I personally, because I didn't have any cultural baggage, mm. I just did what I liked. To do. Yeah. yeah. Fair call. Uh, it is 27 minutes past one. You're on Joy 94.9. Tad Lombardo and myself. This is Cravings. We do need to take a brief respite. We'll return shortly to continue this discussion. Hi, I'm Anna De Silva, and you're listening to Cravings with Pete Dillon on Australia's only gay and lesbian radio station, Joy 94.9. It is 22 degrees outside, heading for top of 25. A good day for the clippity-clops if you're heading to Caulfield. Um, I do have a tip for you in the Caulfield Cup, which is just a little later this afternoon. Tad, I'll give you that off air. Thank you. Uh, It's 29 minutes past one. We're on a bit of a... Uh, it's our own version of Food Eurovision right here uh, in the studio. Kathy is here from Sweet Greek in the Pran Market. Uh, Renan is here from Clay Pots, South Melbourne Market and St Kilda. St Kilda. And Lino is here from Simply Spanish at the South Melbourne Market and elsewhere. Um, you all, for, all four of you, are based in a marketplace. Correct. Um You've gone out and sort of diversified, and you've gone and diversified um, out into into other spaces. How important is that being in that market and that sense of belonging to a community? You guys just said something off air that pricked my my mind to this discussion. You occasionally have a glass of wine in your space and and kind of 
have a, a, a chance to disagree over, over issues or agree over issues. Um, how important is the marketplace as, as, a, as a base for you? For me, it was uh, crucial. I, um, when I first entered into the uh, workforce, I focused uh, predominantly on event catering. I, became a, uh, I was probably one of the very first people to do gourmet food at festivals. And uh, I absolutely love that market feel, that festival feel, and I think the only place I could uh, replicate that on a regular basis was at a market. Um, we, it has that that, that that community feel about it. Yes, uh, it has that uh, the, the, the people, the traffic, the uh, and the and the the love of food. People are there for a particular reason. They're shopping. They enjoy fresh produce, and we're doing we were doing something that. Uh, uh, it was a perfect example of that. You know, we, we buy it, we cook it, and we serve it straight away. And, uh, you know, it worked really well for us. So markets for me was incredibly important. Ted, for your business? Yeah. I think it's um, obviously community as well. And, and, you know, getting to know all the other traders and you, you sort of gravitate to some more than others, obviously, because you, you're on the same playing field in a way. But, that, but that's, not, that, that's life. You gravitate to some people. That's right, definitely. Because those people that you don't gravitate to are generally assholes. Exactly, yeah. Delicately put, Pete. <laughs> I, I am anything but delicate. No, no, no. Dad, you know that. I know, but but the thing is, like you know, like with Kathy, for example, we talk about the business side of it, um, you know, and it's not in a situation where misery loves company because you know we're all working hard and long mm. hours, but it's just try, you know supporting each other and and you know making the best of the long days, and and it's it's just you know from that point of view, it's it's not all work and no play, if that makes sense. Renan, is it the same for you? Is, is, is there a sense of having other people to bounce off oh, and yeah, to, I, I love to it. have those conversations? I, lo- I, lo- I love it. I've always wanted to be at a market. But I also realised that the staff enjoy it. Mm. And they can, uh, they kind of do this shoulder-to-shoulder type of working with and everybody together. So the staff that I have, that have been there a long time now, they love that we are the places at the market. But let me tell you one something else, a little personal experience. When I first thought, uh, moved there about, uh, about six years ago now, I had to go early in the morning to see what's going on and all that. And just walking, say 6 a.m., I don't know if you have the same experience, oh, the sublime experience wonderful. of everybody opening their shutters, yes. their shops. So you never feel isolated. Mm. You don't feel like you are this, you know, lonely trader somewhere, stuck somewhere, trying to make ends meet. You see, you, you feel the humanity and you realize that we are all on the same boat and that's really encouraging. Uh, I, I think you're, you're, you're nodding furiously here. Jump in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, one of the most beautiful feelings is yeah. exactly that. I find getting up early in the morning and then driving to work, the roads are quiet, there's no traffic, and then you walk in and there's this beautiful aura of everybody opening their shutters yeah. and doors. There is a solidarity. And, that and we're all going to go into our shops and, and start preparing for the day, yeah, thinking absolutely. of our customer base and what we're going to prepare for them that day, you know, and what we're going to offer them for that day. And it, it that is just beautiful. I never get tired of that feeling in the mornings, that beautiful morning, crisp air feeling um but of course i'd rather not get up you know (laughs) (laughs) i'm so hearing you all four of you while while that discussion was going on you're all smiling yeah Yeah. so this this is obviously a common feeling amongst the four fond memories i I recall one of my early jobs as a um i I worked out with a fruiter years back and i remember those winter mornings Mm. i would go into the cool room to warm up because it was actually warmer in the room than it was outside. Yeah. Right? It was, uh, and the smell of the vegetables in the morning or the fruit, and it, just, it was an amazing, yeah. amazing feeling. I think it's also the, the, the people that we serve in a way. Mm. Um, they, they come to the market because they love what we do, um, and they want that one-on-one 
connection with the the producer and which you, which you won't get at any of the major no you wouldn't and 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 people that come to the market are generally wanting to learn something mm. so you can actually share your expertise with them and they're going to listen and, and take that away and um, you know, people want to know more about the provenance of the food that they're eating these days, and mm-hmm. you get to have an integral part and a very important part of of doing that, which mm. is which is great. It's a it's a privilege. If if I can flip that, what's what's the the biggest challenge of being a, a part of the market? Oh. <laughs> Kathy, there are there are challenges, of yeah. course, and the hours would have to be one of them. And of course, like Tad, I've started something later in life, mm-hmm. um, so therefore for me, I don't have the same energy and my body doesn't allow me to do as much as the younger people do although I'm working just as many hours but that's irrelevant you know <laughs> so I, th- I think you get over about 35 and that th- things happens to, correct to yeah so I think mm. definitely the hours mm. being on your feet and also the the mental challenge of always trying to be ahead of yourself um, and trying to cr- always be creating something different something new something um, that so that your customer that's coming into that shop is not feeling like, oh, dear, I saw that last week and I saw it the week before. Yes, you have a core base, but you need to also be creating all the time. Renee, is it the same in your businesses that you've got a... Um, Such as? Yeah, I'm, I'm just sort of trying to take... Because I, I guess mm. your Simply Spanish and Clay Pots are kind of different to different what Tad to what and, do, and, yeah. and Kathy do. So I'm, I'm trying to work out how I want to get the answer or the question out that... Um, that I wanted to ask the, the challenge of you being in a market oh look I I think it's ideal for what mm. we do you know we've created a space that is a bar with a kitchen nestled inside and people sit around it and it's, I didn't realise but it's very much like any tapas bar you might mm. see in Barcelona uh, the food is great there uh, and uh, look I, no challenges I mean pretty enjoyable I dare I mention the word council <laughs> uh, well, we deal we deal directly with uh, with the market. I mean, the market, uh, the market deals is with the council. under the council, mm-hmm. so it is hard. Yep. But uh, but uh, now comparing markets a little bit. <laughs> Look, <laughs> I, all I can say, I totally agree with what you said. Dandenong market, Victoria market, Prime market, they all got that place. But I feel lately, in the last year or so, that a, a kind of um, uh, solidarity fusion has come into to South Melbourne market. It all seems to gel together. It's working. Changes have happened, but they are they are tasteful and sensitive. Uh, they shouldn't should lose the market feeling. But I think it's working. It's working well. Yeah. I guess I guess there's a secondary part to that question, and I'm going to ask you the secondary part of that, Lena. Um, is it because there is investment into what has become a cultural hub, a, a place for people to gather? Um, the markets, each of them, have realised that this is a meeting place for, you know, I, I go to South Melbourne Market because I love it and I'll run into some people who I know who live on that side of town because I'm a Westie. Um, it's a place for people to, to gather and grab some coffee while they're out doing their Saturday morning food shop. Um, I think it, it's also a, um, and I, I know we're talking the word cultural and, and we're not overly fond of it, but um, there's, a, there's a sense of, of quite a different identity at South Melbourne than there is at Prang, mm-hmm. and I know there's, an, and as there is in Queen Vic, so there's, a, there's been an investment in all of them, but there's something about South Melbourne that's just, I don't know whether it's the gentrification of its, its audience or... No, I, I think that little precinct that we've created down there has made an incredible difference. I think it, it brought it to, to the attention of the other markets as well. Um, it's not something that can be done everywhere. We were just fortunate enough that they, they, there was that strip that was available. It had the big footpaths. It sort of ticked a lot of boxes, but it worked very well. And it has become a, a meeting spot or 
uh, somewhere to eat, somewhere to rest. You know, you, you know, we find people have their habits that they'll either come in, have breakfast and do their shopping or they'll do their shopping and come have some lunch. Um, or, or we'll just come with a hangover and get some dim sims or dim sims dripping with soy sauce. Yeah, or, or they, uh, <laughs> they, they drown their sorrows in a bowl of paella. Yeah, which the, it's a good good place to drown one's sorrows. Yeah. But mm. ma- markets do that all over the world, don't mm, they? Markets they do. have been that place where you, you... But I think in the past it's always been more about buying your fruit and your vegetables and your meats. I think now what they've, they've done, and I noticed this in Barcelona a few years back, is that a lot of them are incorporating that dining experience within the market yes. and they're doing yes. it really well yes. and I think that's amazing where yes. you could you, you, you've got your shopping yeah. bags you've just brought but some but that didn't work for me so it, that's my experience as mm. well the idea was I had not been to Spain at all but I thought I'd create a drinking a meeting hub at the entrance to one of the passageways yeah. and people will go shopping I had hooks they can hang their bags have a sherry have an olive mm. go come back it didn't happen Again, a cultural difference. Sorry, mm. forgive me. No, 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 no. I keep using that it, word. It, it did not happen. It did not happen. It was a very slow start because I think people, when in Australia, when people go shopping, they go shopping. That, uh, that, that concept of grazing around and doing slowly by a little bit, have a sherry, then buy something else, you know, did not, was, not, was not immediate. So I was wrong in the concept. In the concept. But eventually... Yeah, so it was a timing thing, Eventually. It? It's a timing it took thing. me a year or two. It took me a year or two to, a little get, too far it, to get it curve. across a little bit. So now it is happening to a certain Nothing degree. is ever that straightforward. Mm-hmm. When I first started Simply Spanish, I refused to do paellas. Paellas, I'll say it properly. What is that, paellas? Paellas, yes. Because I had tried, I had numerous attempts at it, and it didn't work. People weren't interested. So I decided I wasn't going to do it. And the strange thing about it was that it was, at the end of the day, it was the paella that put me on the map. It's just something that eventually people started asking for. I, I don't know whether it was the power of television or the media or suddenly it was brought to their attention. But, you know, going back 15 years ago, I could not sell a page to save myself. No one was interested. I think... I, I, I don't know that I have the answer, but I think I have a solution to the idea um, in that the more... In the last 15 years, we've, we travel more. Mm. And there is that online connection to the rest of the world. We are seeing what's happening in... Uh, in all parts of the world almost immediately. Um, so we've become far more savvy as consumers. And we probably didn't know enough about Paisa, whereas now we, we're we seeing it, it, it's almost everywhere. So I think there's there's that sense of connection to the rest of the world that we've always cha- been challenged with in Australia from a, a geographic point of view. Um, as we've become more sophisticated with and globalization and, and but how blessed are we? And, oh, and, it's and everything, it's incredible. and also don't forget all the wonderful cooking shows too. Whether you like yeah. them or not, whether you want to watch or not, it's irrelevant. Correct. There are some amazing cooking shows on that also introduce us to different parts of the world and their cuisine. SBS have a whole channel. SBS of is food. amazing, you know, with yeah. their food, you know, mm. and so we're exposed to it from that angle as well. And it's also, I think, the situation too, where you know, as time has gone on, um, you know, when you look. In the past, you know, fifteen, twenty years. I mean, the the, the average person's palate has developed in a in oh, a way that you world. demand more and more, and which is why, you know, like the the paella, that sort of thing has become quite, you know, mainstay. Yeah, um, I fully really understand. And how wonderful it is that you started on Cecil Street, yeah. South Melbourne Market, and yeah. went on to conquer Spain itself. Yeah, exactly. and you're showing them how to do it. It's <laughs> awesome. Um, I want to come back and talk a little bit about that competition and. Uh, 
we'll delve just a little bit more into each of your businesses and what you do for those who are playing at home that don't know. Uh, speaking of playing at home, if you are out and about 0427 Joy949, if you would like to interact with our program, you can email on air at joy.org.au as Tad's mum has done from New Providence, New Jersey. Uh, you can phone 1300 Joy949 or you can send a tweet to cravingsjoy949. Um, you might be on your way to Pino Palooza happening at the Melbourne Showgrounds this afternoon as well. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, we would like to hear from you. 0427-JOY-949. Hi, I'm Anna De Silva, and you're listening to Cravings with Pete Dillon on Australia's only gay and lesbian radio station, JOY 94.9. blathering away about chocolate and I was mildly distracted. <laughs> it is 16 minutes to two here on JOY 94.9. Um, let, let's go to each of your businesses and what, what it is you actually do. Renounced, let me start with you. Clay Potts has a strong seafood focus. What should we be eating now as far as seafood goes? What, what's the season telling us? Oh, oh, you know, the variety. Look, Crepa St. Kilda will have about 20, 25 different species of fish yep. uh, every night. And I would like, Are they all sustainable? I would like our audience or audience to note that we don't have a freezer. It's a very unusual thing for a seafood restaurant with no freezer. Uh, also, no cappuccino machine. And no What's your wastage cost? Nothing. So we buy. Every morning the fish arrives and we try to sell it the same night and whatever is left will still be okay the next day mm. so it's, it's, it's got a wonderful rhythm and no wastage uh, look it, it became like this over time and uh, and i think i'm here to tell you about the new venture yes yeah, yeah, <laughs> rather yeah. than saying Hilda. so we got a new place uh, named barbarossa uh, not barbarossa the holy roman emperor but barbarossa the mediterranean pirate and that's in hardware lane Again, like everything I've done in the past, it's a little bit, little bit unusual, a little bit difficult. Um, the concept there is bulk, children's of food. You have to be able to go in. A bit like I think we were talking about this before. It's all visually there. It has to have immediacy. Uh, in fact, the motto is... I always forget my own mottos, you know. Uh, health, pleasure, impulse. Now, the impulse bit is the chefs watch what's going on, mm. and as soon as it's sort of, it's, there's less of it, they cook, they invent something else. It's all seafood. They invent something else. But for it to work, we need to be busy. Sure. It's not a place yeah. that's going to you know, happen slow. It, we need yeah. the people in there mm. so that we can quickly keep making it, keep making it, two or three items at a time. Um, so looking forward to a good summer there and see what happens. It's, it's a good concept. What do you do in the Simply Spanish? I mean, it should say, it should tell us, but apart from paella, which I hope I'm saying correctly, what else is there? What else is, is can I have some tapas? Can yeah, I look, predominantly, some it's, we, we, we do the uh, Spanish cuisine. So we're looking at things like the, the tapas. The paellas are, are huge. So we do the, the big pan, the one that we do at the front, uh, which is hugely popular. And then we've got some gourmet ones as well. Um, but I think the. Being a market stall, it was, I think we, we talked about challenges earlier on, and I think a challenge for us was the space. It's very limited space, what we have there. So you can't be everything to everyone. So we've got to focus on a few things and, and, and that we, we could do and do it well. So I think we, we sort of stayed with the, that tuppers theme with the, the pages, and it works for us. It, uh, it allows us to do what we do, do it well, and, and do it for, for the large audience that we have there. 
Ted, let's talk a little cho- a little about chocolate because sure. the guys were just both of them asking you about um, the flavors that go into chocolate. Yeah. You know, I think we're all done with salted caramel now. That fad can go. Well, it's still there though. People yeah. still demand it, so I'll make it as long as people want it. Um, and I quite like it, so I, I tend to do things that I like, which is selfish, but my business, my rules. But um, you know, when uh, when am I buying chocolates with a blue cheese filling? Um, f- during the cheese festival that's coming up. Um, that's something that's happening next Saturday. I Saturday the twenty second. That's wow. right, definitely. Um, so yeah, th- that's the, the sort of thing. And I did a, a, a cake for um, um, Anthony for me as maker of first yeah, year, yeah, and yeah, yeah. and the um, the ganache and that was all Roquefort cheese, um, and it was a different oh, style of cheesecake. That would make me eat chocolate. Yeah, yeah, because I'm not a big fan of chocolate. Yeah, and that upsets me. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I say that all the time. And he sort of, he, oh, I see the smoke coming out of his ears. Oh. Kathy, grab that mic no, for a second. Right. You're so lucky because chocolate is my weakness. Uh, wine is my weakness. Cheese is my weakness. So all of that, I guess that's why I love food. <laughs> it's, well, I think, I think it sort of goes to, to what you were talking about at the beginning of the program. It's about a celebration of life. And mm-hmm. um, we can sit around and try and be stick thing and eat kale juice for breakfast. And oh, how boring. I'm so Sorry, but it no, is. no, no! I'm so with you. That whole kale quinoa so, come thing. Come on, you done. Know. Um, Ridiculous. Is it? You think we are over it now? No, I don't. I think we are over it. I don't think they are over it. And I, I point out there. I'm trying to introduce all that myself now. Um, I, I, I get really frustrated when there is a fad, and you know, for the last six years, people are saying next year's fad we're all going to be Peruvian and Korean. And it's like, no, bullshit. We've been eating kimchi in Melbourne for the last 15 or more years. Correct. It's yeah. not a fad. Mm. Yeah. This, this obsession with putting quinoa in everything is mm. a fad. This obsession with making chips out of a vegetable, kale chips, is a fad. That's right. Because Thank they don't even taste that. nice. People think, oh, I'm being healthy, I'm being healthy. No, you're being a moron. You're, you're being a sheep. And having food on boards is a fad too. Yeah, that's got to go. It falls off. Put it on a plate or put it in that a bowl. Makes sense. And 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 little deep fryer bars. So let's all let's all go back to basics, really. No, no, I don't want to go back to basics, but mm. I think there are some simple basics. Is what I'm trying to say. You know, without following fads. Mm. If we eat like we, we ate a hundred years ago, where we we eat what we can gather that's mm. local, that's indigenous, Mm-mm. that's fresh, that's seasonal. Yes, yes. Um, if we eat that and we cook it simply and we allow the food to speak for itself. Rather than exactly. trying to trick it up with, yeah. uh, you know, science. Can I just say that that's what really what I try to do in my shop? That that's exactly what I try to do. So I'm inspired by the produce on a daily basis, which is the way the reason I like being and running my business at a market. And that was a conscious decision for me to be at the Paran market um, to be able to go out each day and be inspired by what's around and the food is cooked and it's served on platters or bowls and and it goes each day um it, it's keeping it simple. So, for example, you know, if, if I'm making um, an okra dish or a green bean dish, it just has the casserole. It just has the few ingredients in it, which is um, green beans, tomato, onion and olive oil. That's no it. Because, oh, no, not for this dish, but garlic and other dishes. But um, and that's it. And that you just because I just want to be able to taste the, the green beans. Mm. And I had someone who was doing while I was writing the book. I had a guy come in who was helping me as a cook, and uh, and also the we have a lentil soup. Anyway, for some strange reason, he decided to change you know 
everything while I was gone. So he started putting, oh, he started putting, um, you know, smoky paprika into my lentil soup. He started putting smoky paprika into this, and to, he was a smoky paprika freak. Was he young, Hungarian? No, he was oh, German of all no, people. Yeah, I think you'd find that the smoky paprika is predominantly Spanish. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, but for what I was cooking, and then he would be pureeing celery and carrots and putting it into my green bean dish. Well, of course, I'm at home busy doing this photo shoot and cooking for the book. But the customers have an amazing rapport with me. So I got phone calls on my, Kathy, why have you changed your recipes? And I said, I haven't. And I said, no, you have. We can't, you know, it just went on and on mm. until I had to stop what I was doing and go back to the shop and say, what is going on here? You know, so. These are um, traditional. These are, well, it's, it's keep it simple. Yeah. Mm. You know, keeping it simple is what I'm trying to say. Let, let the, the ingredient itself be the hero. Cook it in a simple way. I call that food without fetish. Ah, I may I borrow under. that? Yes, I might, I'll, I'll email that to you. Because um, I heard another in, in the previous show, in Word for Word, that was on just before we came to air, I was on my way in listening in the car and there was a woman spoke about an intellectual orgasm. Yes. And I've been dying to work out how I can put that into my vocabulary as well because I love it. I love it, I love it, I love it. So food without fetish. Oh, I think there's a whole festival in there. The, in yeah. fact, it's just like the cover page of my uh, of my menu in the Evening Star South Melbourne Market. There's something I'd like to, just a little information yeah, I'd like yeah, to yeah. pass on about seafood. I don't know if the listeners are aware, some may be aware, that the bay, Popular Bay, is now closed for commercial fishing. Wow. wow. So wow. when Which you ask me what's going to... for seafood? Yes, there are your local varieties, uh, all going to like calamari and is leather this jacket. Thing, is this a permanent thing? Yeah, they no, it's, not re- it's not reversible. Some of the fish will still be coming from the heads, but expect that, for example, calamari would, uh, for instance, is uh, you could get fresh, fresh calamari, like caught the same night. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, we have to rely on the good quality South Australian calamari. It's not going to come from the Which, bank. from an environmental point of view, is a disgrace. I, when I heard about it, I said, great. I couldn't see anything wrong with, with uh, you know, uh, protecting the, the, the seabed in the bay. But the industry talking to me later on, uh, they said actually even the Greens were against it. The Bay apparently is very sustainable. It is sustainable and, and, and it has uh, been sustainable for a long time. Yeah. Mm. yeah, so it was perhaps an unnecessary move. You know, we have coral yeah. in, in the Bay. We have our own coral reefs. That's right, yeah. Mm. Um, Don't they dredge the bay as well? I don't quite understand it. One hand is saying to protect it, and they're saying we've still got to well, continue with the dredging. Well, of course we do, because we've got to... Well, it's good, it's good for anglers and, and people with businesses running uh, uh, chartered boat services, so there'll be plenty of fish for them. Someone's got to win. That's just not yeah. the consumer, I think. And, and I get really bothered that we're, we're having to... When we've got a, a sustainable abundance Absolutely. of calamari, that Absolutely. we've got to bring it from South Australia Absolutely. or Southern New South Wales. It, it, just, it, it bothers me a great Absolutely. deal. We will take one more brief uh, interlude before we come back to wrap it all up and we'll into our session that we like to perhaps call the plug, which is not really a plug, but just a bit of an information session in the last few minutes. Uh, it's gone up to 23 degrees. We're almost at our top. It's a good day to be out getting a bit of sun on those legs of yours. Uh, you're on Joy 94.9. You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ Community Radio Station, Joy 94.9. Hey, today on The Escape Pod... Joe is interviewing Andre. Andre, like you, Tad, is a Taste of Radio graduate oh, okay. um, from here at Joy 94.9. So Joe's going to do a bit of a, a, a one-on-one. It's sort of kind of what we get to do every week. Every week, yeah. Talk about. 
different bits. We did have another note from uh, New Providence, New Jersey. This is from your mum. I love Here this. It cracks me up. Hello, <laughs> hello, Tad and Pete. I'm enjoying your show tonight. Each time I listen, it makes me miss Melbourne. I love my visits to Tad and Richard. Looking forward to coming back. And I'm looking forward to going to the Pran market again, too. So we'll thank you, George. Well, not the South Melbourne market. What's going on? I, I oh, think I we hate. might have to uh, give your mum a bit of a, a, a full bottle experience of yes. markets after today's oh, yeah, program. Definitely. Uh, so this last few minutes, we have a chance to talk about um, how people can find you and where your businesses are. So let's start with you, Lino. We're, so Simply Spanish, at the, at the South Melbourne market. and we're, yeah, we're at the South Melbourne market. We're at the Queen Victoria market on Elizabeth Street. And uh, we're in Burke Street, uh, Burke and William Street. So all three have got a slightly different personality, um, but that's uh, that's where we are. And if you're having trouble finding us, we're on the on the web, simplyspanish.com.au. Awesome. Up there with the times. Indeed. <laughs> Renan? Yeah, we are in the St Kilda, uh, Barclay Street, mm-hmm. close to the corner, corner of Ackland, uh, South Melbourne Market, and uh, the new one is Hardware Lane CBD. And we also have a, art, a takeaway outlet, which does caterings and party functions, etc. That's on Fitzroy Street, St Kilda. Excellent. And if people want to find you on the interwebs as well? Uh, pardon? Uh, the internet? <laughs> yes. I uh, yes. don't like websites. I have a web, a, a, a splash Landing page. It says, we are the best seafood. There's nothing else. <laughs> no, there's nothing else. So if you have a lot of people, I don't know how people, what people think when they see it. They probably try to book, find it, find another more information. Nothing. It just says, we are the best. <laughs> uh, uh, Kathy, you're at store. Yes. Where, where is the store? So my stall is uh, store 702 at the Paran Market. I am in the Delhi Arcade. I was going to say, if I walk in from... Commercial uh, Road. Commercial Road. I, you, if you just look directly to your right, you can't miss me. It's, Excellent. Uh, Need the people who sell the pasta? Is a there a few fresh b- further up towards Commercial oh, Road. Right. Commercial Road, yeah. So you can't miss it. It's a big store. And the amazing display of cakes and food and things like that will stop you in your tracks. Your second book is to be released uh, in about a week and a half. October. Um, through Melbourne uh, Books. Melbourne Books. And it will be available at all bookstores, um, also online and, of course, at Sweet Greek at the Paran Market. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's going to be a, a, everywhere, everywhere. Excellent. Ted, grab that microphone for a second because we need to Got talk it. about Chocolate Lombardo. Yes, it's uh, stall 97 in the Harvest Hall, uh, also in the Pran Market. And you're on the interwebs as well? Absolutely. Chocolato Lombardo. Yep. Um, if you actually type in chocolate, it's spelled just like chocolate with an O on it. You can actually find it. I did that once before. Um, <laughs> That's cool. And, of course, you can... Uh, Go to the interweb to joy.org.au slash cravings. You can download podcasts of this program uh, that happen every week. So in case you miss it, you can go back and listen to another show. There are about 28 pages of podcasts, um, and I think there's about 8 or 10 to a page. So there's a truckload of information there uh, that you can go and listen to. Uh, Pino Palooza at the showgrounds this afternoon. If you're there, I shall say hello. Uh, until we meet next week, we have Darren Purchase and Jeanette George joining you. Uh, a new book called Lamingtons and Lemon Tarts from Purchase and Jeanette George, The Flavours of Barley. We'll have all of that next week. Tad, look forward to seeing you then. Oh, and, the, and the Cheese Festival. And the Cheese Festival on the 22nd, yeah. Uh, the Escape Pod will take you travelling this minute. Have a good afternoon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. 
head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.